bad and bullshit. Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Erica. And I'm back, baby. <laughs> David is back, our bad and bitchy political correspondent, aka the only white man we recognize. That's right. And so, David, welcome. It is Aries season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> David. I, you have to tell David, me. <clears throat> David, stop being so Ottawa. I'm an Aquarius. Yes, which explains why we are very similar, because I'm a Capricorn. That's why we get along so well. Yeah, yeah. And so, so maybe... I see I have to come up with the Scorpio vibes to inject some, like, you know, excitement it... into this duo. Mm. <laughs> right. Some yeah. spice. Some spice, some pettiness. <laughs> some scotch bonnet spice. <laughs> you know what? That's oh very on brand for you. I know. Shout out to Jamaica. (laughs) (laughs) And so because it's Aries season, maybe you want to consider gifting the gift of bad and bitchy to your favorite Aries. So you can do that at badbitchypodcast.substack.com where you should also become a paid subscriber so that you get access to the full episode. And if you're like, what could David be gracing us with his presence for? It's because we're talking about the liberals and the NDP. So you're probably not going to want to miss that. And so honestly, it's one and a half fancy coffees a month. One and a half. Well, no, it's like one. <laughs> Depending on what it's you get. Size. <laughs> Depending on what you get. It's seriously one Starbucks treat a month. Yes. Like literally one. Yes. Grande. And David, y'all you are getting y'all haven't been getting talls. I'm just saying. No. Absolutely not. David, what are you getting at Starbucks later when you go? I am going to get a, a decaf Americano, a tall decaf Americano. I sort of reached that age where that's what I drink. Oh, I love a decaf. Uh, I don't know. They had, uh, uh, I know. They had during the fall season, or the, the winter season, they had a Irish cream Americano that was extraordinarily good. I love the Irish cream Americano. Actually. Very good. I drank yeah. a lot of those. Yeah. And a couple of pumpkin spice lattes as I'm wont to do in the fall. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I'm sort of, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And um, I'm a sort of a class trader. I mean, that's fine. Because I'm just such a fan of the of, of bougie bullshit like that. But uh, we contain but contradictions we... like but history. It's... They actually treat their employees well. So you could be supporting worse companies like Bridgehead. I was just about to say Bridgehead. Interesting. <laughs> well, I'd like to see them unionized universally. I mean, that would be. Yeah. I don't really trust any business place that isn't unionized. But well, I mean, employees you know, don't stay there long enough. <clears throat> employees True. don't stay there long enough to unionize. So. But they might stay long enough if they were unionized. I mean, uh-huh. you know, chicken, egg. Anyway. Chicken, egg. So Erica, you know, had her normal Hill Times column this week uh, on the liberal NDP CSA, um, and you can read it on her website for free, notinmycolor.com. Erica also made her U.S. debut with her first American byline in Refinery29, and she wrote, wrote about the after effects of the Ottawa convoy. The link is in the show notes. She's also tweeted it out. I um, 
I'm guest editing the the Vancouver Tech Journal this month. And I wrote a piece about how the world, including tech, is not neutral. And then David, his latest in the Washington Post is, again, also about today's topic. And you can also find that in the show notes or deep in David's feed because he is a prolific tweeter sometimes. That's a generous (laughs) way to put it. Sometimes. Sometimes. So much better than compulsive. I mean, it's true. He either tweets like 20 tweet threads or like is just like, fuck this thing. I'm not playing for three days or four months. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's actually been quite nice. It's a nice balance. I don't do day to day balance, but I can do sort of month to month, (laughs) which I've accepted. That's fine. Great. I love that for you. Thank you. And so let's get into it. The Liberals and the NDP have struck a confidence and supply agreement. So last Tuesday, Justin Trudeau confirmed reports that the Liberals and the NDP had brokered a confidence and supply agreement that would see his party remain in power into 2025, framing it as a quote-unquote responsible answer to uncertainties posed by the pandemic and challenges facing democracies, quote, with hyper-partisanship and toxic polarization. The two parties also agreed to move ahead on some mutually agreeable policies. Trudeau staked his ground to serve Canadians to quote, serve Canadians through and beyond the next election. And the PM could be in office for a decade by the time that pact expires in 2025, should he remain liberal leader for the duration of this agreement. And so David, do you want to get into what a confidence and supply agreement is? Yes. And let's start with what it isn't. Uh, and a reminder that you should really never listen to partisans uh, on the opposing side for these things. It isn't a coalition <laughs> and it isn't backdoor socialism. If only it was. Um, it is, you know, a coalition involves members of uh, two or more parties inside a cabinet and therefore inside the government, which binds them in very particular ways, which limits their uh, you need to be critical and their, their capacity to be critical of the government in various ways. It creates responsibilities on them that they won't have outside of the government and so on. This is a confidence to supply agreement, which says for a period of time, uh, this opposition party will support the government on money bills and bills of confidence uh, under certain conditions. And that's it. It allows the opposition to remain opposition, allows them to remain critical. It allows them to pursue their own interests uh, outside of the of the agreement, but it does require them in exchange for those policies and those meetings and, and briefings to support the government on key measures that would otherwise topple the government. And that's pretty much what that is. And it's almost certainly nothing else, nothing that you're hearing from conservatives who are calling it a undemocratic or a coalition or and so on and so or an NDP government and so on and so forth. It's none of those things. And so because we work and live in a parliamentary system, these types of agreements are, like you said, quote unquote, legal, and they don't generally happen at the federal level, and they tend to happen more at the provincial level, right? They're fairly uncommon. Uh, I mean, here, here, point one is this. Among parliamentary systems globally, they're co- they're common, as are coalitions. I mean, if you look at the world, you know, rank uh, ranks of parliamentary democracies, coalitions are very common, especially under systems that are proportional representation because you can't get a majority typically without without, uh, 
a coalition. Uh, the supply agreements are common too, provincially, as you mentioned, you know, Yukon had one, British Columbia had one recently, 2017, quite a big one. Uh, federally, we've only ever had one coalition government. That was in 1918, I think it was around the time of the First World War. And uh, the supply and confidence agreements are less common, are, are more common than coalitions, but not super common. And so we haven't had one of these in some time, um, we, but we're now in a period where we have a bunch of minority governments. And for reasons that you can imagine, the government wants some stability. And I'm sure that has to do with you know, Trudeau preparing his legacy with the war, uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, with inflation, with the pandemic continuing, and the fact that a lot of these promises were amenable to the liberals or things they were pursuing anyway, as well as the NDP, you get an opportunity that's sort of the perfect confluence of events that produces this. And so perfectly democratic, perfectly full of precedent, perfectly legal, constitutional, uh, a big deal, but not earth shattering uh, in the sort of precedent of parliamentary governance. Yeah, when you talk about other countries, parliamentary democracies doing this, I think a lot about like um, Northern European countries and Nordic countries sure, or, or even like Germany, right? Because they end up having like three or four or five or six different parties in parliament and they have to then jockey to figure out who should be the prime minister or the president or the leader. Well, and, and, and if you look at the English, I mean, you know, we have especially, you know, Tory types have an affinity for the English speaking parliamentary world because of course they do. But that means sort of Australia, New Zealand, the United Kingdom. Well, guess what? You know, these are all places where you see uh, these arrangements, right? I mean, the, the UK had a very famous one, which Nick Clegg got rolled pretty hard. But, you know, there are, there are examples of these things all over the place. Was that the yeah. Theresa May 2017 DUP fiasco? It was. No. So that was a different one. But uh, that one, I mean, but, but a great another great example. Uh, where it was, in fact, a conservative party that did it with, uh, with the party. So, yeah, I mean, it's so silly to watch this here because uh, it, it's just so common, including in countries that Tories who decry this deal look up to and parties they look up to. So, it, you know, it's just politics being politics. And so, you know, there was talk of this or of um, Justin Trudeau and Jagmeet Singh engaging in talks post-election in September and October 2021. And so why do you think it took so long for this agreement to come to fruition, like a full six months? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, I, I probably, I, I, I was listening to you know, Eric Grenier and Aaron Weary talk about this. And I think you know, Aaron's point about this was right, that there was just no pressing need for it immediately, right? It wasn't, it was born out of of circumstance that emerged post-election and the sort of things I ran down a minute ago. You know, the fact that, let's be honest, a lot of these, these policies are shared between the two parties, at least in principle, if not in detail, but often in detail. The, uh, the liberals had a fairly sizable majority or plurality, so they weren't day to day having to, you know, make sure no one was stuck in the bathroom when the, you know, bells rang to go vote. So they had some room and things were, you know, fairly stable for them, at least as far as minorities go. 
then things got worse, right? The policy space got a little more complicated. The global geopolitics of everything got more complicated. Inflation got worse. The war emerged. The pandemic and new variants emerged and got worse. Uh, you know, so on and so forth. And then, of course, what the convoy arrived and occupied Ottawa. And if you read the sort of takes of how this thing came about, the talks that started in the fall as a kind of notion uh, really picked up after that. And so it, the, the idea was kind of lying there, but there was nothing that was pushing it along too, too much. So and then did it picked you say, up steam. sorry, did you say the convoy pushed it along? Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the, the conversations between Jagmeet Singh and Justin Trudeau picked up during the con, you know, the story is that uh, that's been shared. This is this isn't unique. You know, Justin Trudeau called Jagmeet Singh to congratulate on the birth of his child and the conversations from there at the top, top levels, you know, picked up. And then the convoy seemed to spur things along. Um, so which, what was it about the convoy is what I'm trying to get at. I don't know. That's a, that's a great question. But that, you know, what I've heard was that uh, or seen shared, I should say, was that um, they, they spoke throughout that because, you know, it was something they were talking about anyway, I'm sure. And I don't know if it was perhaps that they were talking about the convoy because they had to talk about the convoy. And this was sort of grafted onto that or if there was a, a broader concern that was raised from the convoy itself that did it, but that was one of the, the catalysts, at least incidentally. Sort of like, you know, the French Revolution wasn't caused by the high price of bread, but, you know, in another way it was, you know what I mean? Like mm. There are these proximate causes that nudge things along in their own weird ways. Okay, so. But, but, I, don't, but I don't know. But I, so, I, you know, for whatever reason, a critical juncture emerged. Of, and it's usually because of a couple of different things, the things I've talked about. And then off we went, here we are. And it's interesting because it's now going to be a bit of a test of the idea. If it goes well, uh, then it's you know, proof of concept that this, thing, this sort of thing can work, especially if we're going to have minority parliaments over and over again, which are often quite good, though not always. Uh, but of course, if it fails, there's going to be a lot of I told you so. It doesn't mean it can't work. It just means it didn't work. David, Erica, thank you so much for joining me today. I missed you both. And I look that forward to it for you to get out. It's <laughs> no, no, it's hard for David to get out because he's always busy with some other emergency, like not having heat. <laughs> oh, yeah, David, David, uh-huh. David, we need we need a redo. We need a redo. I'm I, I'm happy to join and join anytime. My, my heating is fixed just in time oh. for summer. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. How convenient. Um, and so make sure you become a subscriber to the podcast, badbitchypodcast.substack.com. David is a subscriber. So, I mean, that tells you all you need to know. Yeah. I mean. Oh, should, sure. I, should I should be we- the... Guy, I, I, if I'm a heuristic, you're the poster boy. Have gone terribly You'd, wrong, but okay, okay, you're the poster boy, David. Stop with your if I'm the heuristic. <laughs> it's just like yeah. what? Oh, here's another here's another announcement. David and I will be potting all weekend. Well, not all mm-hmm. weekend, but not the full weekend, but this weekend because I, the potathon. Because I will be going on David's podcast. Um, It'll be tomorrow by the time this airs. 
It'll be tomorrow by the time this airs on Tuesday. What's what's it called? Ready for debate? Up for debate? Open to debate. Although, Open, well, there. <laughs> up, up for debate's good too. Ready for debate's actually really good. So I have a question. So I know that debate you two, me, bro. I know you two won't be really debating the next topic that you will be discussing, but will rather just be interrogating it. Is it more of a like? rhetorical debate or debate between the podcast and like the listener like what's the conceit here or does well, it i don't know how I don't, those, yeah i don't, I don't particularly those... like debate to be honest with you yeah. uh, in, in, the, in the way that people think about it so it's more of a sort of like broader uh, debate not a sort of the podcast itself isn't a debate podcast mm-hmm. it's part of the broader debate about the issues okay so it's also, a different perspective, perhaps. Yeah, because are you, you know, just people, asking yeah. questions? Well, <laughs> I, I, I go to I I'm go far the other way when the person like, have people on from the sort of progressive and radical traditions to agree with them and to amplify those positions that are historically marginalized. Mm. So this is the sort of counter to the broader debate that's mainstream and orthodox. Interesting. Yeah. Oh. So I'm just asking questions, but they're the right questions. <laughs> and their factors are fact checking. Uh, well, I, I do. Yeah. Prepare for it. <laughs> <laughs> fair. That's fair. Yeah. We already um, have questions on deck. So yes, we do. And it's going to be an interesting topic. And I also want to say this is my second time on the podcast on his podcast. I will include the first time in show <laughs> notes because apparently Show notes is just like a living, breathing document to me. Yeah. <laughs> like the Constitution. <laughs> wow. Okay. Wow. So I'll see you all on group chat. Yeah. And um, I look, listen, I, I'm going to tell you, you should listen to the, to David's podcast episode with Erica coming up because if, it, if the group chat is any indication of how spicy it's going to be. <laughs> Be spicy. Uh, so, Erica, I will see you later this week for Misogynist of the Week. Yes. And so, dear listener, we will catch you next time. And until then, bye. bye. See ya.